What's good, listeners? Welcome to the Chris Collins Show, Millennial Bunker Edition. Good morning, Marissa. How's it going, fam? Oh, my gosh. It's great. There's clouds in the sky right now. I know it's not supposed to be weather talk, but I love it. I, I love know. No it's all sunshine. good. I mean, finally, the uh, the change of season is, is coming. And obviously, uh, with Pumpkin that... Pumpkin spice brings... lattes. Hey. Well, <laughs> it's funny that you bring up the weather because the first thing that I saw this morning that was trending number one on Twitter was that Van Gogh. I don't know what Van Gogh ever did to climate. I know. But, uh, he got vandalized this morning in London at the National Gallery by a group called the Just Stop Oil. Did you see this person? I did. I saw the video and when I got off work this morning and I I was pissed. I have to say, I'm a lover of art and yeah. I was pissed. And Van Gogh is one of my favorite artists. Like, I have to admit, it's kind of cheesy, but I love him. I got a lot of his, like, prints on stuff. Um, I went and saw the immersive experience with Van Gogh when it was out here in LA. <laughs> and I have to oh, say, yeah, that's man, right. I think if I was there, I would have slapped her. I, I but, honestly would have slapped her because I've well, been so upset. <laughs> like, how, why, why do you have to well, Van Gogh? Van I Gogh guess, wasn't polluting. I guess it's important to let the listening audience know that that Van Gogh piece uh, did not uh, get damaged. It's unharmed, but still, clearly, uh, I think they obviously got their message across when you throw tomato soup all over a Van Gogh painting, which... Marissa, I mean, uh, let me know if I'm saying this wrong, but like the last I recall, Van Gogh would like grew up as like a mentally ill person, you know, fighting to become relevant all the way until his deathbed. And then, you know, once he passed you know, away, he never then he became sold a the painting. Great. He never sold a painting while he was alive. And are they just upset never. because he actually used oil based, you know, for his artwork? I honestly, I honestly don't know why that painting, it's sunflowers. Um, yeah. <laughs> why yeah, that painting? why Van Gogh? Why? I mean, there's so much. I mean, that National History Museum. I mean, there's so much that you can go on, I guess, environmentalists like I mean, there's colonialism you can go about stuff like that. But like Van, I yeah. don't know, I'm lost. I yeah, like you would have thought they would have thrown tomato soup on Christopher Columbus statue if there's still one even uh, standing to this I day. I don't think they care about Christopher Columbus. No, <laughs> I, I guess obviously not. I mean, climate change needs to be the main focus, obviously, from this activist group called Just Stop Oil. But you know what was also kind of cucaracha today? Uh, Marissa, well, at least I, I was reading this week. I've never heard of this kind of trend before, but like there was a girl who was a devoted dog owner, right? And mm -hmm. she was just so heartbroken that her beloved Bull Terrier passed away. And what did she do? Uh, listening uh, audience that's tuning into the Chris College show. She actually inked her ashes into a tattoo into her body. Have you ever heard of this kind of thing before? Dude, that's Marissa? so old school. I've had friends. That's old that school. Old school. Wow. Old school. Two decades ago, I've had friends pass away. They got their ashes. Uh, friend's name was Wait, evil. wait, another human ashes uh, inside. Human ashes, evil. What? And a couple of my friends tattooed using his ashes. Um, Is that even like, safe? Uh, probably not. I mean, I didn't do it. You know what I mean? I, I'm pretty sure it's not hygienic. Um, but I mean, nothing happened. Their tattoo was fine. It just mixed in with the black ink. Um, and then they have it. I had other friends that have drank the ashes with beer. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, that like, is so beyond insane. It's old school. Man, we, we <laughs> might be new. thinking, you know, nothing a little new. bit of what uh, Aaron Rodgers be doing out in the middle of South America. You know, rainforest might be kind of uh, a little bit kind of hippy dippy, kind of rich kind of going on. That's kind of crazy. If I die, ah. Chris, turn me into a diamond. Eight thousand dollars. Oh, I was thinking you wanted to be the be pink diamond. diamond. No, you could turn my ashes into a diamond. I want to be a diamond. 
But I mean, you know, as we're having this conversation uh, for some of the OG people that have tuned in for the Chris Collins show, Millennial Talk Show since season one, you might remember one of our very first guests. That was Jacob Tillman. He was the executive producer for a phenomenal film called De-Inked. And one of the biggest things that stuck with me, Marissa, Mm -hmm. was the fact that Jacob Tillman was saying that, you know, some of these asshole, uh, you know, tattoo masters, they like to mix in green and blue. And what does green and blue create? Marissa, do you remember? No, it creates the color black. And remember, he was saying that the color green is one of the hardest things to pull out of your body. So could you imagine that they butchered that girl's tattoo and and it doesn't look like a bull terrier? It looks like a pug that just ran 200 (laughs) miles per hour into a wall. I mean, could you imagine? Are you even able to take out the ashes of that? That is that is definitely a question, Chris. (laughs) That is definitely something that Jacob Tillman, if you were tuning in right now, please join the YouTube chat, man, because that is like totally freaking insane. But hey, I want to let everybody know, uh, make sure you like and subscribe so you never miss a live show. You are tuning into the Chris College Show, Millennial Bunker Edition, and we've got a great show that's tuning in for everybody right now on YouTube Live because joining us on Just Talking is writer and director Jenny Waldo to discuss her debut feature film, Acid Test, as well as strike accord artist Kulik. And also don't forget to check out our music podcast series, Off the Fret, featuring emo rocker Anson as our sixth installment. More music more music talk. All right, Marissa, it is time to rock and roll. What's good, listeners? Our guest on Just Talking is director and writer Jenny Waldo to discuss her debut feature film, Acid Test, live on the Chris College Show, Millennial Talk Show. How's it going, fam? Woo-woo! You're doing good, Jenny? Hi, Jenny. Hey. Hey, what's good? Hey, well, that's great. We love hearing that from you. And I feel like it's, you know, since we are a video on air production, I think it's our own due diligence that we go ahead and showcase the teaser now of Acid Test. So, guys, check it out. This is an amazing film. All right, so you pick me over 11? Cool. Bye, Mom. It's oh, way too long. It was almost impossible to get out of that house. My dad just kept arguing. And... Hi. All right, good. Let's go have some fun. I dropped acid. What? So what type of acid could you place it for me? Should be kicking in any moment now. What? Is this why you invited me? Drop. Drop. Acid. Oh, yeah, Jenny, congrats on the success <laughs> of your debut feature film, Acid Test. And for anybody that was just watching that teaser trailer right now, what is this film all about? Well, it's a coming of age rebellion story, and it's uh, fueled by Riot Girl music, a dysfunctional family and, of course, LSD. So it's set in the 90s and it's based on my own troubles <laughs> and uh yeah so it's uh 
it's a kind of blast from the past, but it has a lot of relevant themes to uh, to what's going on today. And Jenny, it's my understanding, as you just said right now, it's based on true events. This film, Acid Test, you know, really kind of figuring out your own self-discovery. And why was it important for you to tell your story? Well, I hadn't seen a character that I identified with much, uh, especially with some of the, you know, when they talk about female filmmakers or female-centered films, the riot girl aesthetic. I was a punk kid, you know, that I, I didn't see that a lot for the girl story, so to speak. And, uh, you know, riot girl has kind of come back actually, you know, in the last, since we've been working on the film and bikini kill has done a re mm -hmm. reunion tour and we had moxie, which was a Netflix movie that kind of incorporated some of that aesthetic. But when we started and we started with a short film, uh, none of that had, had started at all. And so, I just felt like there was something about the kind of angry female population that I hadn't seen. And, and this was also before the Me Too movement. So there was kind of this collective, I think, angst building uh, with this, uh, you know, kind of being overlooked or pushed to the side or um, marginalized. Yeah, and ways. I agree. So, I think the only, because like I said, I'm, you know, all in a punk rock too. And I agree with you. I think the only movie that I can pinpoint growing up on and seeing myself reflected um and it was more of a comedy takeoff was tank girl tank girl mm. came out and i was like oh my god that's me but funnier you know what i mean right. other than that there was nothing because you talk about the anger that wells up i mean that's what drew me to punk that's why I still I'm still in there you know in the pits stage diving right an outlet for this anger and stuff that you definitely showcased in there which was great Awesome. And Jenny, um, when you decided to write and direct a movie about dropping acid at a concert and then coming home, confessing to your parents that you're tripping balls, <laughs> there must have been some genuine nerves. I mean, to retell your story. I mean, were your parents receptive of this film? <laughs> um, well, it, it definitely has been a journey. And again, you know, to a certain extent, because we started with a short film, there's there's been time to kind of acclimate i think i was definitely terrified of of being personal about these things and and i'm also a mom you know in a suburban neighborhood i mean when people are like hey what do you do and i'm like i just directed a movie about dropping acid oh and it's based <laughs> on me like that's not something you really talk about around the soccer field or the swimming yeah field, so, yeah because they're probably thinking know. that you're directing like some x-rated comedy film i mean that would be right. my first reaction <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely was something that brought a lot of nerves but i'm i'm the type of person uh and i i think you see it in the punk scene where it's like and you see it creatively where if it scares you that's exactly what you should be doing <laughs> Right. I mean, when, when you're discussing, you know, a touching matter, you know, sparking a hallucinogenic family meltdown, I can only imagine that it's terrifying on a level. Am I right? I mean, was that kind of tough to have to go back in the past and refocus on these moments that clearly I can see right now with you right now live on YouTube that you're a totally different woman now? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, I, I really feel like writing the the feature film was kind of a moment of psychosis for me because I had to go back and think about, you know, difficult, conflicted things I'm not fully resolved with, you know, just for myself or even with my parents. 
and, and kind of live in that and, and think about it in this, not just from a therapeutic standpoint, but like, how would this make a good narrative film? You know, and so it was, it was a really, really weird thing to do. And, and certainly, you know, there were times where my parents would call to check in and we do have a, an ongoing and, you know, settled relationship now, which, I, you know, they're very supportive. Uh, but it would, you know, I'd be kind of like thinking about these, these moments, these arguments, and they'd call me and be like, hey, how's it going? And I'd be like, ah, you know, I just. <laughs> yeah, not, not the time to be uh, kindling at the moment. <laughs> because I know Jenny yeah. Acid Test is, you know, more than just an acid trip. It's a coming of age story of a teenage girl's path to challenging her family's dynamics. And how did Riot Girl music uh, change the way you view yourself in the world? Well, I, you know, like we were talking about, I was really into the punk kind of scene. Um, and and the punk scene historically has been a fairly masculine scene. And, and there were a lot of things that I liked about that. I was, I was a tomboy. I was not particularly very girly. When I cut off all my hair, people, you know, often mistook me for a boy and and I didn't really feel very comfortable in my femininity, you know, or, or what it meant to be a girl or a woman. And so for me in the 90s and I grew up in Washington, D.C. when Bikini Kill was based there, mm -hmm. you know, so I got to kind of be there at the their early concerts. And this idea of, you know, how do we make space for women in this scene and for girls and and can you still be a girl and still be cool and still be you know punk rock and all this stuff it really opened up uh this you know just even for myself this idea of how can i how can i be me and like you know recognize all all of my <laughs> facets and and who i am and and not necessarily cut it off because i was uncomfortable with it and um and so it, it really just it it really was a before and after moment where I really feel like Riot Girl changed everything about it and and opened up this idea of how to to be political and to be active and to bring that into my everyday life and and how do you push back on things how do you ask for what you need how do you yeah. find your voice you know so it was really instrumental in, in who I've become. No, I think that is such a great point, Jenny. And I know before Riot Girl, uh, the scene, you know, really took off uh, how, you know, Kurt Cobain really addressed a lot of the things that you were saying. He would call it cock rock, you know, the punk rock music scene because it was full of men. And, you know, uh, who were these uh, female bands that you were growing up listening to in the Riot Girl scene? I know you said Bikini Kills, but were there some of these other iconic female acts that really kind of stuck with you all these years? Well, my favorite band was a local DC band called Slant Six. Um, and they, I mean, they were, uh, I mean, I saw so many of their shows and they would often play or open for Fugazi. And, um, and you know, there were other, I mean, other kind of bands, um, you know, the smaller bands or, you know, that Sonic Youth was also, I mean, they were a bigger kind of band and kind of, punk adjacent to a certain extent but you know they were just amazing and, and the icons that came before you know like debbie harry is yeah. punk you know even though it, it's just all of that stuff was so inspirational and it was such an education i mean i got into billy holiday who was also so punk but just in the jazz scene you know so 
No, I totally hear you on that one, Jenny. And I know, uh, you know, I don't mean to bring up your age, Marissa, but like I wasn't necessarily born during the Riot Girl era. <laughs> so like, well, how was that scene like, uh, you know, growing up? I mean, Marissa, did you ever get involved in the Riot Girl scene? I feel like this would be right up your alley. Well, you know, along a lot with Jenny. Of, um, I was living on the streets of Hollywood uh, during a lot of that time. And um, I grew up with um female fronted bands listening to like naked aggression would be like la's female fronted still playing to this day very pro woman um vice squad from out in the uk uh you know i mean just stuff like that but most of the bands that i loved and followed you know gbh you know they were all men men bands you know there weren't a lot of female fronted bands yeah. you have a female basis once in a while every blue moon nowadays you see female drummers and well, like, yeah hey, that's true and i know Brittany. that's why a lot of excitement's but, happening yeah. currently right now with like paramore i wouldn't say paramore is necessarily a riot girl music yeah. but obviously you know she's grown from inspiration from that but jenny i, I kind of wanted to bring this up because i'm sure you're aware of, of the riot girls famous manifesto we are angry yeah. at society that tells us girls equal dumb, girl equals bad, girl equals weak. So when you hear this, uh, what goes through your mind? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why we incorporated it into the film. You know, these were words that, it, you know, it was a lightning rod for me. And so, you know, we have, you know, in the feature film, that's one of the discoveries is they find one of these riot girl manifesto zines and start reading it out loud at the concert. And, um, and then that's threaded through, you know, they kind of come back to it and they read different passages. And so it really was something again, where, you know, this idea that kind of internal monologue that you have that kind of tears you down and, it, and, and, or you're absorbing it from, little cues or unspoken things, you know, it's, um, it, it really is something that, you know, when you see it in black and white like that, you're like, oh my God, you know, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And I really feel like it hasn't gone away anytime soon. You know what I find really incredible, Jenny, is that the riot girl movement turned 30 back in 2021, <laughs> but it feels like this feminine movement is never went away. And there was a line that really stuck out with me in your film where uh, Jenny, the character says, quote, what does having sex now mean that you're a woman? Why does it mean that you have to be together? I don't even know what I'm thinking or feeling, but I'm sure the viewers want to know, what did you want us to take away from that scene? Well, I think there's, you know, the running theme is this idea of identity. And, and to a certain extent, you know, the riot girl had, you know, was problematic to a certain extent. It wasn't very intersectional, especially when it was, you know, just starting out. And so there's been in the evolution of, of riot girl and society in general, there's been a lot more kind of discussion around this, but the overall idea is, you know, how do we define our identities? How do we fit within, you know, society? And there are all of these different things or ideas that are being told to us or that we read, or we, you know, like I said, absorb from movies and television and from what other people are talking about. And we're constantly thinking about like, oh, well, this is what happened to somebody like, you know, does that, of affect me and this idea I mean certainly you know sexuality and, and developing relationships you know this idea of you know can I how do I define myself how do I define myself as a couple do I am I now defined by you know this man or whoever that I'm engaging with and so 
you know, that's all kind of part of the internal monologue that's kind of running. And, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to have these little questions and these little spaces open up where it's like, you know, you're not defined by whoever it is that you're with and you have to kind of define yourself. And um, do you, do you yeah. think that women can, that we're wired to have lots of casual encounters? Like, do you think mm -hmm. that as women we're wired that way to have it? Because that's something that I kind of, I question. It's, I, I think that there's a fascinating and probably ever long conversation that we could be having about mm -hmm. it. Uh, I do think that there are biological kind of hardwiring genetic things, you know, uh, which can muddy the waters. You know, there's a lot of hormonal things that kind of start pumping through and, you know, can, I think, influence or change how we're thinking about things, you know, much like any drug might. And, um, and I think there's a spectrum, you know, there's a spectrum of where people kind of fall on, you know, where, where they, you know, who they hook up with or who they don't hook up with and yeah. all that stuff. And so, you know, I think it's, I wouldn't ever want to say it, it is one thing or it, because mm -hmm. to me that, that was kind of the biggest thing. And one of my running arguments with my own teenage kids now is like, for me, the reason why I've embraced the female filmmaker moniker, which I kind of didn't like when I first started becoming a filmmaker, because I was kind of like, well, I love all kinds of films. I mean, I love Quentin Tarantino films or I love, you know, right. it's like, yeah. you know, there's nothing I want to make those kinds of films. But the reason why I kind of adopted it was because, you know, there it is a, a white male dominated industry. And, you know, I wanted to kind of make that statement and also make space for female films that covered things that I wasn't seeing in the female yeah. led films. Cause you know, I wasn't really identifying with many of those either. And so for me, this idea of, you know, which box do you pick and you see in the, you know, like I said, in my teens, there are like many, many, many boxes now mm -hmm. of in terms of how you identify. And so on one hand, it's great because there's kind of more discussion and more diversity. On the other hand, I've got decision fatigue being like, am I this box and this and this is like, can't we just have a box? It's like human yeah. and check. And it's the umbrella term for I find it interesting just because I'm a I'm, you know, as a mother to a young girl, I'll be honest with you, I would never want my child in the punk scene back in the 90s growing up. Uh, women mm. were groomed. I was groomed. My boyfriend was 21. I was 15. That was yeah. so common. The grooming, the sexualization, being pro-women, have sex what you want, really benefited the men. Yeah. I'm just so, be honest, you know what I mean? So that's, I see those tones in your film and so on. So it just always yeah. makes me bring that up as a female, like how liberated are we when we say, oh, I can have sex with anybody, but is that hurting us? And are we also being groomed that way? Yeah, right. Yeah, the whole sex positive culture. I, I think it's, you know, again, there are many wonderful things about it. On the other hand, you do want to think about, and and this actually came up a lot in my uh, collaboration with Giant Kitty, which is the main band. Um, they're no longer together, unfortunately. But you know, in the film, you know, Miriam, the lead singer, and I would talk about. She'd be like, you know, it really bothers me that there are a lot of people, a lot of men who love Riot Girl just because it's hot to see a woman mm, screaming, yeah. you know, or like in pain. You know what I mean? Or it's that idea of like the strong female character that can kick your ass, but like 
it's also kind of like a twisted attraction, you know? And, and so I think these are all part of kind of the nuanced conversation that I love having and, and hope acid test sparks, you know, and other people that it's not, it's not one thing or another. It's like, there is a lot of gray and, and, you know, half the time growing up and this is threaded through, like, I'd be like, well, am I a good riot girl? You know, because I, you know, it, like, you too also you know what i mean it's like yeah. <laughs> you know no and, so, and on that note funny. jenny i think that is definitely uh you know fair enough and guys you know anybody who has not checked out this film yet go ahead and check out jenny waldo's uh directorial feature film debut acid test it's an incredible film and where can they check that out uh today yes, acidtestfilm.com is our website we've got links to the digital platforms that we're on we're on you know itunes uh voodoo google play uh amazon and uh, comcast and other platforms so you can check us out on acidtestfilm.com uh, acidtestfilm is our hand on instagram and twitter and facebook and TikTok rock and, and roll jenny waldo thank we can't you, thank jenny. you enough for joining the chris college show millennial talk show it is a phenomenal film and the next time you drop that next feature piece definitely reach out we'd love to have you back on fam thank you so Thanks, much jenny. it was great i appreciate it hey as always have a good rest of your day but for all the listening audience that's tuning in right now on youtube live stick around because we have more left on the chris collins show millennial talk show What's good, listeners? Our guest on Strike Accord, who has recently amassed over 3 million streams on Spotify, is rising pop rocker Kulik with us right now on the Chris College Show Millennial Talk Show. And also check out our sixth installment of Off the Fret, More Music, More Music Talk, featuring emo rocker Anson, out now on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. But Kulik, how's it going, my friend? It is good. How are you, man? Hey, that's what's, what's up. up? You know, it, hello, it hello. better be good. I know the last time I was just talking with you real briefly yesterday, you were already in that writing session as we speak. So uh, talk to us. Uh, so what's going on? Are we going to see some or uh, hear new music in 2023? Uh, definitely. We'll hear new music in 2023. Uh, I don't know what the heck it's going to be yet. That's what's <laughs> uh, that's been the issue. I'm, I'm trying to trying to figure out this is the first record I'm writing that like it's not completely under like a, you know, a major label. So I don't have to like really fit into a box. I can kind of experiment a little more. So well, I can only imagine that's got to be great because I remember uh, Jim Root like last week with Slipknot, he was uh, kind of bitching and complaining about their most recent LP with Roadrunner Records because he felt like he didn't have enough time to actually uh, indulge with this music. So uh, what, what are some of those kind of benefits? Because I know it can be kind of time constricting. Uh, when you're under a label. So what's different now than compared to the past? Um, I just feel like I'm able to take my time more. Like when I started, I, I started basically as a solo artist with RCA uh, in 2018 and being there, I, I mean, I love pop music and I always wanted to make pop music. So it was perfect, but I never really ever fully indulged in, you know, taking my time or like making exactly what I want. I never made a song like longer than three minutes, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, I, and, and I love that, but I'm trying to explore a little bit more, especially since we're getting like, a, I'm a little bit older now. Like I want to 
I want to really make something that I can listen to and it be a timestamp in my life. And I listen to it later and go, Oh, that's where I was in my life. Instead of just trying to make uh, more the of a product. Hit. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll definitely, they're definitely still going to be products. I love making products. I love making things that are predictable, but there's going to be some, some, some differences, I think. What makes something predictable? I'm, I'm just curious, like you're talking um, about product and predictability. What does that mean to you when you're writing and making music? Yeah. Like, um, you know, traditional song formula, you know, verse, chorus, verse two, okay. chorus, bridge, chorus, out. And now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Metalcore breakdown, you know, in the pop punk rock. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get, you get, you, yeah, yeah. But um, they, you know, that that's, that's traditionally what I would think of as something that is just more of a product and like the chorus repeats a certain amount of times, certain melodies, all that, which kind of just comes natural to me. So uh, I never felt like I was even making that, but when I started showing it to other people, they were like, Oh, you totally make like pop structured songs. And I was like, I, I have no idea, man. Like I grew up like listening to like, you know, Aria Speedwagon and, and Tom Petty, yeah. like Tom Petty specifically. Love Tom Petty. Sorry. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wish I could have seen him live. That's one of my biggest I, regrets. I got right. to see him like, I got to see him like three months before oh, he died. Maybe. I'm so oh. jealous. Yeah. It was, wow. yeah, he was sweet, but yeah, he also does traditional like pop songs where like, mm. But now they're like two minutes and 30 seconds long and, and they're so quick. It's like a new formula, but I, I mean, gosh, I was listening to Lorna Shore. They're a deathcore band and the band they're releasing nine minute songs today, this morning. I was quite amazed, but you know what? We're not talking about them. We're talking about you, my man. And I know one of the coolest things that you've done is you've released a deluxe edition of your LP. Everyone I know will die, which features five reimagined bonus tracks of fan favorites. And why did you want to revisit these songs acoustically? Yeah, so the the original plan wasn't even to release a deluxe. I wanted to do a video series, which I'm still releasing one every Friday, um, of me playing the songs in a space uh, acoustically. And most of the songs were kind of written on an acoustic and then produced into the pop punk type style. So nice. I knew they would come across well. I, I always love acoustic music too. Um, there's something about hearing the melody do you like to play on a uh, metal strings or nylon strings when you're playing your acoustic i love the elixirs they have like the uh they have like the best brightest strings it's good for me being like half and for anybody who's not a music (laughs) fiend like the both of us what do you mean when you say that um like the elixir strings are made with something special i don't know some kind of phosphorus <laughs> hey, it just sounds good okay bullshit. just you know yeah. it, <laughs> it's sounds not no like promotional. a sorcerer like in the witch's pot i'm gonna put my little strings <laughs> that's right marissa exactly. that's absolutely correct and that's i know exactly we're right. actually going to be playing one of those music videos that you have said and i do know that you just dropped another music video but the one that we are going to be playing right now on the chris collins show millennial talk show is necessities stripped and you can find that on Kulik's deluxe edition of everyone I know will die. And let's check it out right now, live on the Chris Collins show, millennial talk show. You'll never see what's in front of you 
takes time to face your past mistakes Space time, I missed your energy Move slow and let go, I promise you Running this alone, you'll never get where you wanted to Stay strong and keep on moving through Ain't much but it's all you can do Sometimes I lose it like you lose it too I wanna throw away all the things I used to think I needed To keep living I wanna run away To a place where I can stop For one minute Just let it go Go New year with new fears I'm going through this panic And my chest goes sweats like I used to My youth, though, I thought I was past that Cause it's true what you give Get back, but I'm through with feeling useless. I don't do the self pity party where I feel like a nuisance. I don't answer messages, I don't make excuses. I'm too busy worrying about what's in the future. Sometimes I lose it like you lose it soon. I wanna throw away all the things I used to think I needed. I wanna numb the pain with everything I had to quit to keep living. For one minute, just let it go. Go. I'm scared to death to feel alive, and I'm still mourning these past lives. I've been reborn a million times. I fight it, I fight it so quick. These mornings turn to night. One blink and everything passed by. There's nothing wrong, but it don't feel right. I fight it, I fight it. Sometimes I lose it like you lose it too. I wanna throw away all the things I used to think I needed. I wanna numb the pain with everything I had to quit to keep living. I wanna run away to a place where I can stop for one minute and just let it go. To keep living, I wanna run away to a place where I can stop for one minute. Just let it go, go. Yeah, that's what's good. That is Kulik, and that is his song "Necessity Strip." You can find that on the deluxe edition of everyone I know will die. And we got the man here himself. And you know what I find uh, really incredible, but before I even say what I'm about to say, I need to make sure that I let everybody know that this is strike a chord where if you physically or digitally pick up that record, you're going to know these tracks. And we got the one and only rising pop rocker Kulik with us right now. And what I find remarkable about you, my man, is that you as an artist, you don't allow your hearing impairment to stop you from creating music. I mean, a lot of the times my biggest fear is like cutting off a finger or like losing my leg like the guy did in the ghost inside from that terrible bus crash. But like, how are you able to sing or play guitar or even mix songs, you know, uh, with this hearing impairment? 
Yeah. So I, the way I explain it is that I never experience um, life with normal hearing. So it didn't really affect me. Like I didn't, I didn't understand that it really affected me. So I was born half deaf in both ears. Most people hear 20 decibels. I hear it 40. So it's kind of like if your television's on 10, I'm not going to hear it. If it's on 20, I'm starting to hear it. You know, it's like, it's like basically half of your hearing. Um, I don't think I ever, I never, I never let it affect me. I never really actually acknowledged I was half deaf till like two years ago when I started really wearing my hearing aids. I mean, I wore them on and off in school, but pretty much got like picked on for it, whatever. And then once I got Bluetooth, I was able to listen to music in my hearing aids. So <laughs> nice. I wore them awesome. all yeah. through high school where I, so actually made me more deaf because I was listening to music instead of <laughs> using them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. actually paying attention to the classroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were right. some of those musics that you'd be blaring in your Bluetooths? I was always like a day to remember. I was, I was. Uh, now I can hear the inspiration fan. behind some of your lyrical content now. <laughs> yeah, I loved them, man. That was the first band that I found like for myself. Like I always had influences like from like my parents or whatever. But that was the first band that I was like, oh, I get them. Like no one believes them in the, their hometown and they need to like yeah. leave to figure it out. And I was like, all right, cool. Like that's what I'm that's what I'm going to do now. <laughs> and that was some of the big moves because I know you're from Pennsylvania, but are you currently here in Los Angeles or currently I'm actually in Pennsylvania, but I moved like 11 times in my life and I ended up being wow. back out here with COVID. And then the rent ended up being cheap. And we were like, all right, I'm going to get a two bedroom like apartment. One of the bedrooms is going to be a home studio. And that's like, like this is a bedroom this is the bigger is that something that you got to do as a pursuing artist is like you can't be fixated you know a, at your hometown because that seems like a common theme amongst a lot of the strike accord artists that you know if you want to pursue that dream you cannot be doing it at the comfort of your own home you got to make moves you got to venture out i mean is that how you found success i think life experience is so important to get perspective like that's why touring is so important you get to see that i don't know if you need to not live in your hometown for me specifically the people there were very very negative mm. in everything not just my music um and they also wouldn't have understood what i was making like where i'm from is gotcha. very blue collar uh, it's like butt rock. That's like what everybody likes there, you know. <laughs> they listen to Guns N' Roses, some hair metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You but know, you go, but... go more, go more like uh, you know, Foo Fighters, Bush. Uh, you know, like th those yeah. types of the active rock bands for radio well, format. Well, like, I just find you know your story totally incredible. I feel like the motto in your life is kind of like Quiet Riot. You know, we don't bring it at level 10. We bring it to a level 11. <laughs> and that's what Kulik <laughs> brings with your music. And I know the track that we're about to be playing is full of catchy punk rock hooks. This song's called Time to Go. And real briefly, what's the message behind this track? Yeah, uh, so like the whole the whole record is pretty much like about accepting death. There was something crazy going on with my partner. I had to be in the hospital all the time with her. And Time to Go was written with an acoustic riff, which I, is not even in the real song. In the acoustic song, I, I do it. But um, the song was basically just about not, you know, life being so overwhelming and thinking about my past, how I was growing up. And then, like, I still don't want to die because, like, it's too good. Like, I want more life. I think you can either pick one or the other, either real, be really depressed about it or like really mm -hmm. go for it. So like, I think it's that's like, so true, man. So it's like optimistic, but yeah. No, but I think that's a beautiful message and let's let the music speak for itself. We got the music video right now on the Chris Collins show, millennial talk show. This is Kulik's music video time to go live on strike a chord.
I was wasted From 13 to 17 Stealing drinks from the basement Hoping someone would notice me I was so frustrated That time in my life was darker than the burning pavement That I'm still chasing I was chasing anything to get me high Get me by, forget my life what's good that is coolix music video time to go and you can find that on that deluxe edition as well everyone i know will die and you know what one of the coolest things when i was talking with you real briefly yesterday you know you were uh, expounding on how a lot of the knowledge you know needed to become a successful artist is something that you understand about the music industry and now uh you're pursuing a new venture called pair entertainment and uh, why do you want to do this why the new move to give back yeah, um, I've always recorded like my friends while I was always doing my own stuff. And um, I realized my partner, April, is also an artist, uh, artist, April is Gabrielli, and she produces as well. And we were just like, why don't we just try to, I think she had a message from somebody that was like, 
you know, I'd love to have a female producer. And, and then she was like, okay, my partner does that too. And we kind of started with that. And we just kept getting more and more people. And we were like, we should like make this like a studio where, you know, we've been in traditional studios before. We know how much money it costs. Like we do it for definitely less than that. And we want it to be more like an artist environment of like, okay, we are also artists too. We understand like the patience that takes, we understand like you know, also how to craft the song, but more importantly, more about the connection with the, with the artist. So it's been really great to do that. Um, we have a website up and everything. If there's anybody but, listening you know, who would want to, but produce. there's obviously there's no secret that there's a lot of money in the music industry. And, you know, before Bruno Mars, you know, became a household name, he was ghostwriting for a lot of, you know, popular artists, you know, like CeeLo Green and Flowrider, to name a few. And I even know that, uh, you know, the Imagine Dragon singer was on the Howard Stern show a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how he was a ghostwriter. Is that something that you're thinking about doing? Writing for some I of would, our favorite I artists? Write, I would definitely ghostwrite if I had the opportunity and the connections to. I think that's. Would you do it? I, I guess the real question that's been uh, coming up recently, kind of, you know, with Beyonce as well, I want song credit. Is that something that you would need? If you're going to be quote unquote ghostwriting, I guess it wouldn't be ghostwriting anymore if you got song credit, but it seems like that's been the big debate in 2022. Yeah. um, It depends if it moved the needle for me. Like if it was like a big opportunity, it's like, all right, cool. I'll do that one. Cause like, I'm always a fan of like, just do the work and then more of that work will come and you can get what you deserve at that point. You know, like get your foot in there first. Like don't, don't, don't you know like like i don't uh deserve the entire room first i just want the door cracked a little mm-hmm. bit you know yeah no i that i think that's a, a totally powerful message and i know the last track that we're about to be playing on strike accord is titled the people i know don't like me which is hard to believe my man because just chatting with you real briefly you, you sound like an incredibly dope dude <laughs> so <laughs> so you. why do you feel so out of place yeah no no, no. i feel great now <laughs> but this was written so, more. So what changed? I mean, is it finding a new partner in life or what? That, definitely for sure. But um, no, like this was written in the perspective of like when I was in high school in my hometown, like what was I going through then? And like now, like seeing some people that never left the hometown and all they do is like live in their parents' basement and like go out and drink and they're not really doing anything. And then I thought about them like in high school and it was like, oh, like I didn't like them and they didn't like me. Like there was just something that just didn't, you know, something in that town did not, uh, they did not support growth or like expression. Like I was in a cover band in that town and even that was like, you know, like crazy that this guy's singing like in public. So (laughs) yeah, so I, I wrote it more in that, you know, like it's not, I'm a loving dude and I haven't met. Many well, you know, I, really I mean, when we're all with. teens, we're all a bit insecure. I mean, everybody's kind of comparing themselves nowadays. And could you imagine growing up now with the, the influence of social media today? I mean, I couldn't bear with that. I mean, I was in the era of like MySpace was just getting created. Facebook was Facebook was Facebook before all the baby boomers ruined it and turned it into a never ending yearbook. But uh-huh. man, oh, man, I feel like this message speaks loud and clear today, especially with the newer generation. And let's go ahead and play this kick ass music video that's called The People I Know Don't Like Me live on the Chris Collins Show, Millennial Talk Show. Your mother's basement, your father's paycheck, you feel complacent. I know, I know. You play your sad songs and your video games. It's the weekend, are you drinking again? It's the one. 
what the people think <laughs> that hey, is such honestly, a that's my badass. favorite song of yours that's no, my it is favorite so much fun. song <laughs> thank you i love that and song. you know you were hyping thank a little you. bit of the new music but you were kind of saying you know the new frontiers kind of changed it a little bit are you going to be uh seeing this kind of same music again or are we going to be hearing something different in 2023 um production style will definitely be different every record i ever put out is always different stylistically but the songs are always at its core me and they're definitely um, they're definitely Kulik songs and you'll feel them no matter what. So hey, that's what's good. And Kulik, we can't thank you enough again for joining Strike Accord, where if you physically or digitally pick up that record, you're going to know these tracks. And man, enjoy the weekend, my friend. It was such a blast having you on. Thank you so much for having thank me, you. guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. Hopefully we'll talk soon in the new year. Man, I can't wait to hear that new music. But for everybody that's tuning in right now on YouTube Live, stick around because there's more left on the Chris College Show Millennial Talk Show. But we want to thank everybody who likes and subscribes to Chris Collins show, because without you guys, this show wouldn't be possible. And we got to give another huge shout out again, Marissa, to our fabulous guest, Jenny Waldo. She's the writer and director of her directorial feature film, which is Acid Test. You can go and find that on video on demand and also the pop rocker himself. 
Kulik. He was amazing. And go ahead and check out his deluxe edition of his record, which is called Everyone I Know Will Die. And you can find that right now on all streaming services. And while we got you guys here for the last minute of the show, we want to uh, let you guys know who our next week's guest is. And that next week's guest is just talking is triple threat. He's a writer, director and actor, Paul Schuler, to talk about his horror film, Red River Road, as well as strike a chord artist from Sweden. Bring the hoax and follow us on social media by following our handle at Chris Collins show for more updates on guest announcements, new interviews, and so much more. And check it out right after the show. Our sixth installment of off the fret with emo rocker Anson is out now on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to become a member and you like what you're listening to on the Chris Collins show, you can go right now to our website and get that free CCS t-shirt before it's too late. And everybody, my time is gone, but I want you to enjoy the weekend, fam. Peace. What's good, party people? Chris Collins Show presents Music Storm 2022, hosted by Chris Collins and Marissa Pitts, featuring Royals. There's got to be a Hurricane Highway, Cannibal Kids, Amanda Cooksey, Astoria State, Kid Dad, Resounding, Sleep Cycles, Freckles Weather Warn Just True Sophia Marie Music Storm 2022 Available on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts Peace Our brand new podcast off the fret. I love it. It's more time to chat. <laughs> Hello. You look you so jazzy. I love your outfit. How far would you go to start playing live music again? This slaps harder than my ex when she got her stimulus check. So, um, <laughs> so um, are you here to bring the sexual healing with your music? Oh, everything is everything. And I guarantee you're going to hear this song in the future. I love the flow, man. Politically charged album. So if you get easily offended, this might not be the album for you. Brand new podcast off the fret. So excited. Um, has Kim Kardashian accidentally sent you a coochie shot? Do you want to stay there? It's completely your choice. Or you want to... <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. And you know what I love? Off the fret. More music, more music talk. Peace. What's good? I'm Chris from the Chris College Show Millennial Talk Show featuring Anson, set to bridge early 2000s emo rock with today's mainstream stratosphere, amassing millions of streams online, joins off the fret. More music, more music talk.